Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Premier League on Tap, your FPL draft podcast. My name is Nate, better known as Draftopia, and with me is Zach, a.k.a. Drafting for Upside. Uh, all three members haven't been on a podcast since we got Peter back in here, but uh, Peter can't be with us today. Uh, unfortunately, we had to bump the day up ahead of schedule to record. Uh, I will be leaving for Vegas tomorrow, so hopefully I, I win enough money to quit my job. That'd be sweet. Um, but hopefully we can get everybody back in the rotation uh, for next game week. But Zach, how have you been, man? Been doing well. Um, really put into this, uh, really put in a lot of work to this show this week because we got a couple extra matchups and a little segment there at the end, but I'm excited for it and uh, hope to maybe answer some people's questions for this game week 20 after a mini break compared to uh, what the World Cup was. Yeah, this was a weird double game week because we had like an entire week between matches and now we have like all these cup matches, a couple double game weeks coming up. Um, so things get a little hectic now. So let's say we just jump right into it. Let's do it. All right. First up on the match, we've got Aston Villa versus Leeds United. Villa favored by half a goal with an over-under of 2.75. Uh, give me your rundown of Villa. What are you looking for on this team? Uh, we could see some variation in their lineup. Uh, I know that things are kind of in flux there um, with Coutinho back and, you know, the team being somewhat inconsistent here. So this could be one of the more um, stream-friendly games of the week. I think I'd probably rather stream some of the Villa assets, though, than the Leeds guys mm-hmm. just because uh, Leeds is a bit more porous than Villa. Villa at home, favored by half goal. But with an over-under 2.75, uh, you've got to think that there's some points in this matchup. And I uh, see so you've got here that you don't expect a clean sheet for either side. I wouldn't as well, unless we see some uh, really, really strong uh, Villa defenders posting performances. So, uh, you know, you're obviously going to still start your Digne, uh on defense, but I'm not really looking at any of the defenders as strong starts this week. Yeah, I don't I don't think anybody besides Digne is startable in this matchup. I just don't I don't know, I don't trust Villa's defense, plus the guys don't really score that well. I know there was a little bit of talk on Twitter about Matty Cash today as people were going through their um game week one lineups versus their game week twenty watt lineups. Uh thanks to Dutch Cowboy on Twitter. That was actually a pretty cool question that he threw out there so it was kind of fun to answer that but a lot of people that drafted maddie cash are pretty pretty upset with what they've seen is uh to date yeah i I think he could score okay in this one yeah he could have have some opportunities to get forward leads are just so uh i mean they're all over the field so i I feel like they're gonna put a goal or two away here so i'm really not looking to start cash but i know it's brutal trying to stream defenders, so mm-hmm. I get it. It's the first game, too. So it's nice to get that defender out of the way so that you're not stuck trying to st- stream some defender at the end that you should not be streaming. And there's quite a few of those, actually, this week, I'd say. Yeah, there's a, a few big teams that you just want to stay completely away from all their defenders. Um but yeah, I would think that you have your normal starters. Uh, obviously, Watkins is an automatic start. I think Bailey's a good start in this matchup. 
Um, some more streaming options. Like you said, Coutinho could be back in contention. So between like him, Buendia, McGinn, um, Douglas Louise, kind of whoever gets the start there, I would throw those guys into your lineup. Uh, what do you think about Danny Inks in this matchup? Uh, man, I actually don't find myself, uh, you know, scouring quite as bad, uh, or scowling quite as bad, that is. Um, <laughs> he's probably a forward two this week. You could do a lot worse than him. He's You, you have to be able to stomach that insanely low floor that he has. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you can do that, get past that, he's got a positive matchup here, I'd say. So uh, you're probably going to start him if you have him question mark yeah i would (laughs) i mean Leeds just like you said looks so susceptible in defense so i'm just i'm all in on the villa attackers at this point if i have them i'm playing them um but you could possibly find ings on waivers he's at 52 percent rostered but outside of that i'm not really going out of my way to try and get these guys in um, as far as leads go, is Cooper still like a viable streamer because he ghosts well, or is this just because their defense has been so leaky that it's not really worth playing him? What do you think on that one? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, he's getting up there in age. What is he like? 31, 32. Um, he's had a bunch of injuries the past few years, probably lost a step or two. So, He's probably not what he once was, and, you know, I guess you could start, like, a, a Strauch, though we could see Ferpo start, or I don't know if their new um, acquisition from Salzburg is able to play here, but you could even see him start. His name's Wober. Uh, but, uh, again, it's his first game. You can get him out of the way. He's probably not going to post top 12 defender numbers, but he's probably not going to sink your team so uh depends if you need some upside at your defender spot or not Uh, Mm -hmm. i typically like to stick to starting defenders at home i I think that's a an underrated strategy in this game and uh, i think that you more times than not end up with better numbers especially if you're a home favorite that's that's perfect so he, he doesn't have that lining up here but He's a uh, you know historically semi-proven asset, so I'm fine with him as like a uh, like a low-end defender too, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, does anybody else in this matchup kind of stand out to you? I I have a guy that I mean, people are pretty. I would think they're aware of him as of right now. He's 48% rostered, and that's Somerville. He's been playing pretty well, getting in amongst the goals. Um, it seems like when he starts, he plays well. He's, I mean, the last, what's that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven matches. He's had five double digit hauls. So it's, the points are there for him, but it just depends on if he gets the start or if he comes off the bench. So I think yeah, he's, he's one he's of them. He's been getting more, like 60s recently, uh, which, yeah. which really pisses me off. I'm sure it pisses a lot of the <laughs> managers off. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think he had a good stretch there. Uh, he passes the eye test, not with flying colors, but he looks like he uh, is definitely a good asset for them. Maybe Harrison rotates in for him, uh, mm-hmm. or they can coexist. Hopefully, we'll see. 
Um, I know Aronson hasn't been like crazy good recently, but his defensive work rate is second to none. Uh, he might be one to trade in actually right now, just if you could get him on the cheap. But other than that, um, roll him out as like a mid three, especially like I said early uh, in the slate, so you can kind of get that that play out of the way. And I think he's got a good floor. Um, hopefully, yeah. he just gets more than sixty. Yeah, if uh, Wilfred Nanto starts, are you starting him? Uh, yeah, uh, low end forward two. Uh, no more than that for me. Just still unproven. Uh, I mm-hmm. need more of a sample size on him, I'd say. But pointing the arrows point in the right direction. Yeah, I'd agree. I would say if he starts, probably worth a pickup. But yeah, I mean, you just leave him on waivers until you know that he's starting. Not really worth a roster spot to sit there for a weekend or a game week yeah yeah i agree all right let's move on here probably one of the better matchups of the game week we have quite a few of them actually but uh manchester united host man city uh the return fixture of a game that saw nine total goals scored the last time these two sides met uh city is favored by 0.75 goals with an over under of 2.75 um, so just looking at that stat line and the betting line there, an over under of only 2.75 when these teams scored nine goals last time out mainly seems like United has a better defense this time around. Yeah, it's projecting man United. Like I mentioned in the prior match, uh, man United at home, uh, usually helps your defense out, I'd say, uh, and you know, I think the teams maybe trended in slightly opposite directions since that point. I mean, City is definitely still very, very good, but we saw them only beat Chelsea by a goal in their league match. Uh, and, you know, United's improved quite a bit. So it remains to be seen who is starting for that defense. It's been all over the place, but Luke Shaw has uh, definitely been viable at center back and uh, we shall see how they end up lining up. I know Dallow actually exited the game today early. I um, just if, saw that. If you missed that. So we'll probably see Wambasaka come in, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm willing to start him. I would say that could be good for the defense, though, because uh, defensively he's much stronger than Dallow. In my opinion, mm-hmm. he just can't really do much forward. Yeah. I Something I found interesting, I went back to the reverse fixture of this and just looked at the scoring for defenders. Could you name me the highest scoring defender from the last time these two sides met? What was the starting back for? It was Cancelo, Ake, Akanje, and Laporte, I believe. Mm. Or no, Walker. See, it makes me want to guess not Concello. It's because you're asking uh, me this question. So I'm going to lean with... Well, I'm saying I'm saying between both sides. Oh, so. oh, 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 oh. 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 Uh. I'm going to give you a hint, though. It's on you. He didn't start the match. Oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's uh, someone we were really high on in the earlier in the year, but he hasn't had like a zero playing time since this game. It's Gomez. Uh, 
Oh man, I complete. I was trying to think. I was like, it's not Rico Lewis. It's nope. Completely forgot about my my man Gomez. Man, what a disappointment that was. Hey, right. I, I swear, if he started that game, he would have gotten a forty bomb. No doubt about hey, it. He subbed on for Kyle Walker at the forty first minute and scored twelve and a half points the rest of the game. And that it was prior to them giving up three goals. Oh yeah, no, he's like a natural left mid. If he starts any game, I'm starting him. Yeah, Cancelo ended with three. Yeah, because he Every, got the goals against, right? Everyone else was negative on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Every other player. It's mm-hmm. insane. So like a Mel just Gibson with that movie, little you know, anecdote. Complete destruction. Yeah, I'm completely all out on defenders this week. I don't care who you are. Cancelo's okay. probably a good shout, but I would even consider benching him because this United team looks much better than they did when these teams last played each other and city's defense just i don't know it doesn't instill me with that much uh confidence no and i feel completely fine starting all my normal united forwards um i mean they already have the double game week so you're starting them more more so for their palace matchup but Mm -hmm. you know whatever they get here is just kind of bonus just take it for what it's worth um and of the dgwers i actually think i like united the most of the four potential I, teams i would agree at least the attackers i guess that is one caveat you could say with the united defender is they do play against palace so it's like mm-hmm. are you willing to take a possibility of a negative two to five points to then try and play catch up against palace i, I bet their projected points would be something along the lines of two to four so it assuming no blowout and i really it, they're not projecting that like it's city minus 0.75 over under of 2.75 so that's got city winning like 2-1 probably yeah. that that's not going to sink your team so i would i'd still roll out um things you don't know they're going to start the next game which is where the yeah, decisions exactly. come out to play but if if i knew united defenders were starting both games I would start probably all of them not named Lindelof. Um, it's just you don't know. So Shaw is like the one you're going to be super confident in, I'd say, starting both games. Um, you might get Martinez or Veron as well in both. And I guess mm-hmm. if Dallow's out, that makes you more confident in Juan Basaka. So I was just going to ask, like if Juan Basaka, if Dallow is confirmed out for at least the next week or two, like, you know then Juan Bissaka is pretty much going to start the game against City, but does if Lindelof doesn't, does he come in at right back against Palace? Yeah, that's where you still don't know. That's the yeah, problem. That's the hard I'd part. expect him to, but we've even seen Malasia go to right back. So yeah. it's anyone's guess. I think if he started this game, I might just start him and hope he starts both. Because mm-hmm. um, it's not like they could he could never do anything against city it's just super 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 unlikely yeah um so i mean like we've kind of alluded to this matchup's pretty straightforward you start all united attackers you start all city attackers and i kind of just it's a toss-up on the defenders at least for man united for city i'm not starting anybody that's not named Kinsello. yeah i think that's fair because 
I think uh, if you knew they were starting both games, you could make an argument, but you don't. So the best is just go with one of these other matchups and stream a guy. You're not going to mm-hmm. regret your decision. I, I really don't think so. No. All right, let's move on here. We've got Brighton hosting Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool's actually favored here by half a goal with an over-under of three, um, which that surprises me that we've got Liverpool favored in this matchup, especially after the last two the last matches that each of these teams played um brighton absolutely dismantled everton and liverpool was dismantled by brentford so um as far as this brighton side goes you're pretty much starting everyone that's in the attack right yeah yeah uh i mean liverpool are actually a positive matchup for attackers as far as as far as that goes and mm-hmm. uh you know i evan ferguson say what you want a goal or two goals and an assist i believe or a goal and two assists something like that he's been on fire uh the past two games and while i don't necessarily expect that to entirely continue i have um watched a decent portion of those games and it seems like he is pretty active in the attack i mean he had four shots last game mm-hmm. uh and, and even though i think only yeah one was on target the rest of them look super dangerous uh so if he can get some space against liverpool he probably gets a goal here and um you're staying with a hot player on a hot team at home only projected to lose to Liverpool by half a goal with an over-under of three. So mm-hmm. I think uh, most people, especially given what forwards look like, would be starting him as like a forward two, low-end forward two at worst, uh, if you toss the name away. So I think that's what you got to do. And really, he might be more like a low-end forward one this week, um, given all the factors I just described. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I'm all in on him until you ride him until the wheels fall off. If he just keeps playing like he has and gets the opportunities, you start him. You get him off the waiver wire. I mean, he's only rostered 8% of teams, so he should be available. You might have to spend a decent amount of fab on him if your team or if your league runs fab or use a decent waiver claim on him because he's probably going to be a hot commodity, especially going up against the Liverpool side that looks porous. They lost Virgil van Dyke for a substantial amount of time. But, I mean, as far as this Liverpool side goes, I know we kind of have this discussion almost every time we talk about Liverpool, but you're still starting Trent. You're starting Robertson. But, I mean, I want nothing to do with the center backs, especially after the fucking minus points from the Kanate own goal that screwed me this game week. I'm so mad about that. But, I mean, outside of Liverpool's front three and their wingbacks, I, I just – no one on this team appeals to me. Yeah, and, I mean, I can't act like they're looking delicious to me either. They're – I got burned in both of my leagues as well by the Konate own goal combination with the – three goals, four goals against, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm definitely down on him, but uh, I mean, I don't think he's... I, if I w- were to really project them out, I don't think he's any different than Liam Cooper on the week. Um, 
I, I feel probably just as confident. Own goals just aren't projectable. Yeah. And, you know, they got three goals scored on him. So what are you going to do? He's obviously going to score, like, complete crap when that happens. I think it, you know, if he gets more time in this team, he might do better. I know there were rumors that Virgil van Dyke's injury was truly playing a role in that game, and he definitely looks slow. So maybe getting just a healthy body next to him will help out. Um, mm-hmm. I know they didn't look great. They're not at home. It's not a recipe for success here, but you could maybe do it. That, that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to encourage it. Uh, I won't say avoid. I won't say start. Um, yeah. I'd say, yeah, the mids, they're looking weak. They're one of the lowest scoring midfields actually in the league on a points per 90 basis. They're actually second last as of uh, before this week because this week hasn't concluded yet with the uh, full um, Chelsea game pending. Mm-hmm. So if they're not one to target, you really only start like maybe Tiago, but I'm not going to start Harvey Elliott until I see some more. The forwards you will start, though, for sure. All three of them. doesn't matter who they are. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, actually, Oxlade-Chamberlain do not start. But everyone else, <laughs> go, go ahead and start. I'm sorry. You're yeah. going to point that out, I know. Um, well, no, I was just going to say it depends where Gakpo plays because uh, I'm yeah. assuming he's going to come straight in for Ox. God, so. so. Yeah, you would think. And, and sometimes your attack can really be your best defense. So we'll see how, yeah. how that kind of uh, relationship ends up playing out. Mm-hmm. And then I know you have a note here about Trossard for Brighton. Um, that's kind of just a wait and see, right? Like you're just trying to see what happens in the transfer market right now. If he like kind of, there's rumors that he's leaving. There's rumors that Deserby just doesn't think he fits the team. So where are you at with that one? Uh, this would be a little golden nugget from Peter. Actually, I would start him if he started uh, because I think that in itself is a good look and a vote of confidence from Deserby. We sometimes mm-hmm. see new managers come in and see players that they think are complacent or just bad attitude in general, and they'll try and iron out those wrinkles. So if he starts, like, it's totally fine to roll him out there. It's not a bad matchup here, but uh, you know, just don't expect him to start. It's an early game. You can afford it. Um, I wouldn't be over the moon about him. Uh, that being said, Brightner third best in midfield points per 90, um, 13th in forward point per 90, which is, you know, mid-table. But I'd say that Liverpool trending as a weak defensive side, uh, you can definitely target that and Brighton attacks from their midfield. So uh, any of those guys I'm willing to start, especially in the front uh, three or four. Just to throw a little monkey wrench into the system here, if Trossard doesn't start and he doesn't even feature in this game at all, are you considering him as a trade out option? Because no, no, depending can't. on where he goes, if he does leave Brighton, he then becomes a rotation piece, right? Well, if You'd he goes think. to like a Tottenham, which he's been linked with. You would think, but I think that's the consensus opinion. So unless someone actively comes to you and says, hey, I want Trossard, uh, don't say anything. Because when you start offering a player up in your league, it tells everyone that you're low on him and they're wondering why they aren't lower on him. And it just creates a cycle of despair where they're going to probably value him way, way lower than he should be. Like, I think if he transfers, like his stock goes down from what he was before. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we saw it with Richarlison going from a horrible Everton team to Tottenham and immediately improved. Like he, there is a scenario where um, Trossard, you know, could also go to Tottenham like that. Mm-hmm. Injuries, what have you, he could turn out to be a great player. So 
don't throw that lottery ticket in the trash for some floor play CDM. But yeah, it could be a point like you made with Retros, and it's just, you see his starts go down, but his points per game go up. Exactly. All right. Anything else on this matchup? Now let's get on to uh, an absolute the, cracker. With the Everton juiciest game. Yeah. <laughs> this is what everyone's waiting for. Oh, yeah. Everton hosts Southampton. Everton favored by 0.25 goals with an over-under of 2.25. Uh, Everton got absolutely crushed by this Brighton side last game week. Um, and, I mean, they just didn't look good at all. Uh, they also lost probably one of their better attackers in Awobi. Um, I guess one of their better assets, Fantrax assets. Um, so my thought coming into this game week was we could see a resurgence of Abdullah Decore, who last year under Lampard had a pretty good season. Um, he was kind of all over the place as far as scoring and assisting. But we haven't really seen him at all this year, and I have no idea why. But is it is he someone that's been on your radar at all since Awobi got injured? Uh, I mean, not really, no, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, actually. Um, Maybe I'm just the one looking for the nuggets inside Everton, yeah, like uh, Nathan Patterson. <laughs> you're, you're, you're sifting through the bottom of the bottom here. Like this is, <laughs> this, this is a chip bag that's got like a centimeter left that someone stepped on like repeatedly, and you're trying to, you know, find something to dip in your salsa. Like it, there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing here. I. I this team is brutal. You even have like uh, DCL scoring like four points a game, you know. So until I see some of their more proven guys scoring well, I'm really not looking to dumpster dive on on anyone here. But you can you can be my guest. I I think that if he, st- I'm just saying if he starts, I would be okay picking him up and streaming him this week if I needed like an extra midfielder. Um, mainly because of just how poor Southampton have been. They have kept, what was it, one clean sheet so far this season. This might be their like, second. I mean, it could be. Everton's not great by any means, let me tell you. But I'm just saying this Southampton side looks dismal. Except... Yeah. Except for James Ward-Prowse. I did say prior to the World Cup, I liked him as a trade-in target. And he's had five double-digit hauls in the last six games. So he's, like I predicted, he's the captain of this team. Everything runs through him. They have to use and utilize him more. And I think they've started to. It's just that team needs to figure something out they need to score more goals and concede less like most teams that are doing poor <laughs> but <laughs> astute <But>, analysis <laughs> that's what you get here guys <laughs> i mean this is cream of the crop dude but again i'm saying james ward prowse is probably the only southampton asset that i would look to bring into my team if i don't have him but other than that like Eddie Ozzy's okay as a forward two option. He's ghosted decently. 
but I just don't see where the goals come from in this team. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really James Ward-Prowse on a free kick or nothing, it feels like. Mm-hmm. so. And, and even him, like, I mean, he's what, like, he's 58th in shot creation, shot creating actions per 90. Um, he certainly gets plenty of touches. Uh, I'd actually love to see the stats on how many how many touches he gets versus other people. Um, everything runs through him, as you said, but just because it's running through him doesn't mean it's uh, anything potent. There's anything really. happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like City runs through Rodri all the time, and this year he's been great, but in years past he'd really not been scoring that well. So uh, yeah. I think the thing that just makes James Ward-Prowse different is his set pieces. He probably would score similarly to Rodri um, if not for that. Mm-hmm. There is one note on here that I'm actually just now seeing that yeah, it, it makes sense. But we had said a f- couple game weeks back, I think this was probably prior to the World Cup, but we're just like, be careful of the Everton defenders because they were, uh, the entire defense was significantly outperforming their XGA. Are we seeing kind of like a return to Earth's gravity for these Everton defenders is this who they are now they're actually just going to start conceding these chances yeah um I actually put down here defenders returning to earth from their space voyage (laughs) um I I would concur with that and that a lot of it's probably due to Pickford standing on his head before Mm -hmm. um Patterson leaving doesn't help I know he'll have mixed reviews he got completely smoked by the um dribbling maestro Matoma but I hate to break it to you, but 34-year-old Seamus Coleman is not going to put that defense on lockdown. So no. uh, stay away at all costs. Tarkovsky, you can get away with here, um, but that's that's it for me. Yeah, I would agree. I think I'm probably out, even though I never really did stream that many Everton defenders. Nathan Patterson was kind of just a running joke. <laughs> like I didn't. I think I may have only played him like twice. I think I've played them around the same, yeah, and just in a couple positive matchups, but it's fun to see the community up in complete arms <laughs> over the Scottish boy wonder. Yeah. Anything to add from this side? Uh, no, that's about it. Let's, let's get on to Nottingham Leicester. All right. We've got Nottingham hosting Leicester. This is a pick em. There's no favorite in this matchup. And the over-under is sitting at two and a half. Uh, Nottingham, I have been probably i don't think i've rostered a single nottingham asset the entire season um and up until recently i've considered allowing brennan johnson to be a part of like a team not my team but someone's Mm. i think he's playing decently well but outside of johnson is like morgan gibbs white is he for real or... Yeah, I mean, as real as a Nottingham Forest asset's going to get. <laughs> um, it's not too real. Uh, but I agree with uh, Brendan Johnson. He should be owned. Uh, it's not going to be by my teams. But uh, he's been posting like forward two numbers. Pretty mm-hmm. pretty decent forward two numbers, actually. And um, he's playing 80-plus minutes. So 
minutes really <laughs> minutes are gonna drive uh, any production hence why we love double game weekers even if they're terrible players people yeah. starting tim ream um this game week for example no offense um so you know if we can get guys who are consistently getting 80 plus minutes on teams at at the forward position and they're posting decent numbers we would expect that stuff to continue especially if he's scoring decent ghost points so yeah mm-hmm. roll him out there forward too uh i don't hate it to pick him close game uh you know an average over under two and a half but nottingham's at home so let's see what they can do against lester who uh they could, they're all over the map i'd say um but on the to the same uh for the same team uh i wouldn't really start anyone besides who we've mentioned i know some people like orier uh i'm a little lower on him than others i could understand it i guess and then there's scarpa for those of you who like to take risks uh, i'm just not quite ready for it yet I'm, I'm okay with picking him up i'd just try and bench him for this week and see what you have first mm-hmm. um, which is sometimes an underrated strategy for these transfers it doesn't mean you have to start him right away yeah, I think I put in a waiver request for like all of the lesser known players that are coming in. It's like if I land one of them, they're just going to sit on my bench until they do something. I'm not throwing them in the lineup right away because I barely know who half these people are. Right. I've never heard of Scarpa. So, and that's what I mean, that's what happens nine times out of 10 is you get somebody that comes in in January, have no idea who he is, but he finds his feet in February. Mm-hmm. Totally. That, straight gold. He could be he could be great. He could be like a Morgan Gibbs White. He could even potentially be higher if he finds himself being great at set pieces. If he makes his offense raise its level, Nottingham Forest is climbing up the table surely, you know, slowly but surely. So yeah. there's a scenario. It's not super high. Um he's worth a pickup, but like I said, not not worth playing against Leicester. Leicester not a bad defensive side. Um and I'm actually looking at their defenders for this week, um, but I'll let you. I'll let you go first on them. Who is that? Well, the defenders. Defenders team in general, but uh, oh, Maya and a specific fella who I think is going to be super super popular this week. Gotcha. Um, as far as Lester goes, is. Are we for sure confirmed that Madison's out for this match? Uh, I thought I saw he was going to be out for a couple more weeks. I could be wrong. Um, I mean, if he's in and if he's out, doesn't really change much for most people. Looks like he's day-to-day, um, no timeline. So I- I'd assume no. Okay. Don't, don't expect it. Yeah. I think that's a huge detriment to the entire Leicester attack. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's probably Barnes what we're looks seeing. a shell of himself. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's putting all the attention on everyone else. Um, you know, sometimes you like it when guys are out, it gives more touches to other players, but Madison can demand a high amount of touches for a reason because he does something with them. And uh, mm-hmm. everyone else is just not quite going to have the same potency going forward as he does. And the nose for goal, the nose for assists, it's going to hurt Vardy or Daka, whoever's up top, uh, longer term. So you definitely want to see him back soon. And that's really one of the reasons why I'm really trying to hold out hope on either Vardy or Daka being a viable asset. It doesn't mean you have to hold him if you drop mm-hmm. Daka to pick up Vardy for the week. 
and I might do the reverse this week. But uh, I, I like whoever starts at forward for them as a high-end forward two um, in this plus matchup, and I think you still have to continue starting Barnes and Telemans as midfoot, midfield three and midfield two, respectively. Beyond that, uh, streamer Luke Thomas this week. Uh, he is a high-end defender, too, for me. With the way that he's been scoring, uh, you need he's a priority pickup for me. I'm probably going to toss maybe a little bit of fab on him, uh, maybe a waiver pick, low-end, mid-end waiver pick. And he might get swept under the radar with uh, some of these transfers coming in. Yeah, you know, as a one-week option, and maybe maybe even for the future. I mean, he's pretty good. He's he's as good as it's gonna get. Yeah, I think that's that's not a bad shout, especially because this Nottingham side doesn't look that potent offensively. But the Nottingham at home is a different beast this year. They're, I mean, their defensive record at home isn't terrible. I think they average about a goal a game at home, a goal against. I'm sorry, but they just i mean going up against chelsea at home the last time they played there like it's not that big of a case chelsea's not good going forward so i guess you being a good defense against a team that can't really find the back of the net doesn't really help but i don't know lester doesn't seem that potent without uh james madison so I like the defender option against Nottingham because I don't think Force is going to score that much. If they do get one, I think Luke Thomas has the ability to ghost into the double-digit range. So that's a good shout, but I'm not as high on the forwards of Vardy or Iannaccio or even Daka at this point, um, depending on which combination of them start. Um like Vardy's sitting at 3.9 points per game even though he's only getting like they've got this system in place where if you don't start the game you come in in the 60th minute if you do start the game you leave in the 60th minute so their forwards just I don't know I kind of tend to stay away from those type of players yeah they're not fun they're not not (laughs) fun at all actually would you would you start him over someone like Solanke or Solanke over him I guess um, I would say yes, mainly because I know Solanke is probably going all 90 minutes. Um, and even though they play against Brentford, I don't know. I could see Solanke ghosting more with less of a chance of scoring. Mm-hmm. or an attacking return but the Leicester forwards are going to be very highly dependent on that return so it's it's kind of like a you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't yeah. type situation yeah just wanted to so, pick a brain but yeah. uh let's move on to another matchup of the week that's just got me salivating yeah i hate this one too <laughs> we've got wolves hosting west ham uh this is another pick over under of 2.25 so very very similar to the nottingham Leicester game it looks like either team could nick this one but if they do it's probably going to be 2-1 or 1-0 uh probably a low scoring affair in this matchup um one of the more 
interesting players. I know the community has talked about Kuna. Um, so I think he did get a run out in their last match, right? He played like less than 20 minutes or something. I think it was around 20 or so, yeah. Got two points, so figure he's going to score eight points every single game, right? I mean, I'd take that. <laughs> Project that over the season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it looks like he 23 minutes and I had a one and a half points. He had a shot. Wasn't on target, but he had a shot. Um, but as far as this Wolves side goes, is there anybody from this match – or I guess this team in this matchup that you're looking at streaming or starting? Yeah, again, here's the formula for picking defenders. Home matchup, close game, low under, over, or over under. And right mm-hmm. now we've got Wolves at home with a pick 2.25 goals. So to me, that screams stream. And it's not a bad idea to do it on the West Ham side either if there was a viable streamer. But there really doesn't yeah. seem to be because they don't seem to score well in their own right. Uh, it, it feels they could be playing against themselves and they'd still find a way to get scored on. But <laughs> uh, here here with Wolves, I actually really like Tomato as a streamer this week. I'd put him as like a low-end defender too. Um, and I see here that he's got six or seven ghost points per game in the last three games. You like to see that, a guy coming in form. He's probably a lock to start here. Uh, the one that's a little bit more gray is Ryan Aitnori or uh, Hugo, Hugo Bueno, who mm-hmm. um, has been doing okay recently. I know he's he's uh, held his own, especially for such a young player into a new squad that, frankly, sees quite a few attacks every single game. You could do a lot worse than stream uh, either of these two fellas this week. I know they haven't been great as of recent, but... Uh, like I said, it's the indicators for context are there. So it's just a matter of how confident are you in their talent, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't know. I think this Wolves side, I just haven't seen enough from Lopetegui and what he's got going on with this attack. I haven't really seen it come to life yet. So I'm kind of out on their forwards. Yeah, Although me too. I would take a shot to try and get Kuna on my squad, like one of those players we mentioned earlier, January transfer. You don't really know what to expect from him. If you have the roster space available, throw him on uh, your bench. If he comes good, you have a great asset that you likely didn't spend over the top four. Um, but... Yeah, this game just screams low scoring. Uh, Both teams are bottom five in goals scored this season. Um, It's one of those matchups that three points will be absolutely crucial. So I could see this. Both teams kind of just dig in and don't want to concede. Um, As far as this West Ham side goes, Paqueta's like your main guy right because now he's it seems like he's taking over penalties so he's like the asset to have for west ham yeah i'd love to buy on him if i could um unfortunately it's probably going to be a steeper price than i'd be willing to pay um but i Mm -hmm. do think he gives you good numbers over the rest of the season um he's still more maybe of a floor play because west ham obviously has some limited upside but they have some quality players, uh, I think. 
I don't I don't know if they have a couple more poor results if even maybe Moyes would be on the chopping block and you know we see something more exciting but uh, yeah uh, Pacatas your your probably your prototypical low end midfielder too but he has maybe more upside than uh, like a James Ward Prowse I'd say mm-hmm. let me. I just thought about this on the spot, but let me read you these scores from the last few weeks, and let me know if you would keep this player on your roster. We've got 5.5, 5, 4, 4, 0, only played 7 minutes, and 5.5. Don't tell me that's Bowen. No. His might be similar. I don't know. Who's this? It's Thomas Socek. Ah, Tom. Big Tom. Um, no. I've, I've said it. I said it with, uh, said with Evan Ferguson earlier today. Uh, sometimes it's important to rip the name off the back of the jersey. Mm-hmm. And uh, the good times for Thomas Socek may be coming to a halt. He may not be the... Uh, savior that we were hoping for uh, unfortunately he even went a couple of those games not you know playing full 90s so yeah I, I wouldn't start him no I don't think I would yeah I think he's fallen into the category of uh, financial portfolio um, past performances are not indicative of future results so exactly that's a good way of putting it he is uh, on the chopping block and he is actually a part of a segment we will cover later in the episode. Um, anything to add with Wolves or West Ham? Not for me. All right, let's move on here to Brentford, Bournemouth. Uh, Brentford hosts Bournemouth. Brentford favored by 0.75 goals with an over-under of 2.75. Uh, Brentford have a 37% clean sheet odds this week. Um, one of the higher clean sheet odds. Uh Pinnock's an automatic start, right? Yep. Uh, every week starter. Uh, I really think I'd start him against anybody except City. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think his uh, performances as of late, he had a couple negative pointers when he was just getting back into the side. But, yeah, he's back to his normal self, ghosting all over the place. Uh, and he's only 48% rostered, which I thought was crazy when I looked that up today. It might change with waivers, but um, definitely make a claim for him for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming Tony is probably out injured again. Yeah, we don't know much on that from what I've seen on Twitter. Um, we'll wait for some of the press conferences for confirmation on that. That's the unfortunate symptom of doing a podcast on a Tuesday, but... Um, that's the hardest part about these game weeks now is because there's only one or maybe two days between game weeks so you really have a tight window to get all that info mm-hmm. just keep keep uh, monitor but you know if he starts you're starting him so yeah and then anybody else from this Brentford side that you're looking to roll out there yeah uh, Norgard's been pretty solid since coming back from injury um, looks like he's been averaging roughly you know 10 points a game or so so i'm putting him out there as like a mid three and probably a high-end mid three at that so 
uh, feel confident in him. And if you were able to get him in in the past couple game weeks, I know, um, I know Peter mentioned him a couple weeks ago, or maybe even before the break, um, as a, as a strong guy to pick up. He, he's paying out for you right now. Uh, he's fifty two percent rostered, so he might still be out there. Uh, go take a look. Uh, but yeah, he's a he's a strong starter, probably almost every week. Yeah, I would agree. Um, when it comes to Bournemouth, I know we talked about him a little bit earlier, but uh, Solanke, are you starting him this game week? Uh, yeah. I I don't love the I don't love it for him here. It's he's away from home. Um, you know, Brentford's been pretty decent lately, and I think Norgard's really helped them a bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's goals in this game, so who knows? He could he could nick one. Uh, just without Tavernier, though, kind of being that creative eye in that midfield, I don't know how much service uh, or creativity is going to have surrounding him. So he might get yeah. kind of choked off from the rest of that midfield. Yeah, I think there's better forward two options out there for this game week that are probably streamable. So I'd be okay benching him this week. Yeah, and other than that, I'm I'm pretty much out. Uh, and everyone else here, uh, Tavernier's out, as mentioned. So uh, it's yeah, kind of I agree. Oh, oh, wasteland. Yeah, let's move on to the Sunday matches. I don't want to talk about that one anymore. <laughs> Uh, we've got Chelsea hosting Crystal Palace. Chelsea favored by 0.75 goals with an over-under of 2.5. Uh, Chelsea's clean sheet odds are sitting at about 42%, so that seems to be the highest for the week. Um, outside of the Chelsea defenders, which you're probably going to roll all of them out that start, right? Uh, You don't have to, but probably, yeah. I mean... You're not going to do much better, and the I think it's pretty much a guarantee. Anytime you got the team with the highest clean sheet odds, start like every defender. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just because you're giving yourself some pretty good upside for a clean sheet, it's not really shocking. Um, I, I, I like some more than others, obviously. Um, we'll see if anyone maybe comes back from injury here, but. Uh, we'll see if this Chelsea team can bounce back against Crystal Palace here. Crystal Palace has been pretty dang weak, and um, you know Chelsea's under a lot of pressure here. But they're at home; they're favored uh, in what could be a somewhat low-scoring affair. I'm not really looking forward to this one. Uh, in fact, I put down that this was one of the last ones to get touched for a reason, because um, the game really has high potential to just be pretty awful uh, in the end. Just Two teams, two London teams, really just underperforming this entire year from what people expected of them. Yeah, I agree. I think if Crystal Palace want to get back on track, this is the game to do it against a London rival. Uh, Chelsea's forward or Chelsea's attack hasn't really been that great recently, but Crystal Palace's defense has been miserable, and they really need a result to turn things around there. Yeah. Um. I'd say, I mean, one thing I was wondering, I think I'm streaming Ziak and uh, Carney Chukwameka here if they end up catching the starts, even though they might only go like 70-ish minutes here. I think it's probably a good matchup for them against Palace. Uh, would you start Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang? I know pa- Palace is one of the weaker 
teams against attackers. He's probably not starting here. I know Potter's preferred Havertz, but it's more of a philosophical question more than anything. Would would you start him in this matchup or not? No. I have equated Aubameyang to the photosynthesis king, uh, Kiefer Moore, and he is pretty much a non-topic. He mm. will not see the light of day in my team anymore. It's too bad he's not 6'4", 6'5". Exactly. I just don't I, – I don't know. I don't understand what Chelsea's plan is as far as their attack goes, but they keep going after these quote-unquote forwards that are more of a support forward than they are a main forward. So you have like Havertz, Aubameyang kind of – I think his best position was like a left wing, and he's been asked to play a more central role – He's not really a type of player that holds the ball up and people play off of him. He's more of a poacher, um, but he's just not getting any type of service. And then they bring in, it looks like they're bringing in uh, Joao Felix, who I think is just a shorter Kai Havertz. So it's like, who is that main talisman Dago Costa type striker that they had when they were winning the league? Um, they just still haven't found that, but they're buying all the players that would be around that player, which I don't know. It seems like you have a lot of, uh, square pegs trying to fit in an around hole. Hmm. Well put. Um, but as far as crystal palace goes, I think you're still starting the main three, four players, Zali say as a, um, but a player that I wanted to touch base on is Chek Decore, who has been ghosting well, especially against teams that they have to defend against. And I think that Chelsea will predominantly have the majority of the ball in this matchup. Um, and Decore is the type of player that can get you 8 to 10 ghost points just based off of tackles interceptions headers clearances whatever it may be and especially in a double game week then they have to play against manchester united who are also a team that is probably gonna have the ball the majority of the time and he's gonna have to defend a lot i'm thinking he is gonna be close to 20 points this week with double game week so oh yeah i forgot about that because the last time he played chelsea he actually got five and a half um unfortunately so I'd say he's a floor play, but yeah, since you've got the DGW, uh, he probably, I don't know, about 20, but probably close to like around 15. Um, yeah. I know he got yeah 13 last week against Tottenham in a 4 nothing loss, but uh, I think he's become a pretty uh, important cog in that team, and uh, yeah, I'd expect, I'd expect a, a pretty good score here, so... Roll him out yeah. there. Um, he'll probably start both games, which is something you don't always get for DGWers. Uh, so yeah, more like a like a floor play mid three. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think outside, if he doesn't have a double game week, I wouldn't play him. Probably no, I wouldn't either. But because he does and he has a floor of like seven points, then you're getting fourteen. So. Um, anything else to add to this one? 
Nope, that's it. Don't start, Edward. <laughs> uh, next matchup we've got is Newcastle hosting Fulham. Newcastle favored by a goal here with an over-under of 2.75. Uh, when it comes to Newcastle, it's pretty easy and self-explanatory. Um, you start every defender, and you start everybody else that is surrounding those defenders. Um, if they start for Newcastle, they start on your team. Yep, fair enough. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Fulham. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're avoiding all the defenders here, right? Yep, not a single one of them. All right, not even Tete? Nope. Because you also have to wait, too. I mean, he's probably starting, but I, it's, I just don't. I, there's there's no positive matchup here. Just go somewhere else. It's Newcastle at home, favored by a goal. Like just they, He goes pretty decently, but there's just very little upside there. No clean sheet ch- chance. Like Just go for someone else, I'd say. And then, I mean... Mitrovic serves a suspension tomorrow, right? Yes, so he'll be available. That, so he'll that would be, be available the only for this reason game. Reason I'd even think of playing anybody on Fulham because uh, if he's out, I wouldn't. I honestly wouldn't even play Andreas Pereira. No, no, I, I'm completely out on all Fulham assets if Mitrovic isn't playing. We've just seen it before. It doesn't seem the team does not operate the same. There's no threat. Like the other team can really stomp on everybody because. Um, he he just demands so much attention from the center backs that it creates little pockets of space in front. Mm-hmm. So and he can pop up with a set piece goal at any point. Oh, for sure, yeah. So, I mean, I would say it makes Pereira an option in this matchup. Maybe if you really desperately need him, but I would honestly rather play Czech Decore over Andres Pereira in this game week. Exactly, and I think that's where your line of thinking needs to be. Like, okay, you're not going to start him. Who's your next option? Someone very streamable. Um, you know, maybe Czech Decor is taking your league, but certainly him or a, or a Norgard or a, uh, one of these other midfielder options, even if you had to stream instead, like in a Dozy or something. Like, I'd mm-hmm. take any of those guys uh, over an Andreas Pereira in that scenario, so... Yeah, because it's unlikely he gets an attacking return. So then you're just looking at his floor, and his floor is like one. Mm-hmm. So you were better off going somewhere where you have more of a defensive midfielder who's going to get you six to eight points, mm-hmm. and you kind of just cut your losses. Yeah, what do you say we move on to the London Derby, uh, your favorite, oh. as we kind of move toward a longer I hate here. this matchup. <laughs> Regardless of whether Arsenal's good or not, I hate this match. Every year. I hate both matches. <laughs> and you like it's this just... line here too? Oh god. I mean it's it it makes sense. Tottenham's just been not good. <laughs> well, the line favors that I mean not not favors completely, but I would have expected this to be maybe Arsenal minus a half, but we've got Arsenal minus a quarter over under two point seven five here. Um, with Tottenham at home. So the odds makers sound like they have more confidence uh, in Tottenham performing here than uh, you do. It's not that I don't have confidence. I am forever hopeful. Um, Those two are very different things, though. I know. (laughs) Um, I don't 
I mean, as long as we can keep all 11 players on the field this time around, then I think that it's doable. I mean, Tottenham could grind out a low-scoring victory or a draw, which I would take a draw at this point. Um, That's just the reasonable fan in me. Obviously, I want to destroy this team, but um, Arsenal are playing very well. I still don't think it's sustainable. I don't think they're they're going to win the league. I think City might do the double over them um, and just nick it by a few points at the end of the season. But as far as Tottenham going this matchup, I think Doherty might be a decent start um, just because he is getting forward more. He has been rested and in the double game week, I would probably expect him to play both games against Arsenal and City. Talk about a shit double game week. Yeah, it's brutal. Uh, Holy crap. I mean, here's the thing that I, I I liked already for in this matchup. I know Arsenal are like the second worst matchup for opposing defenders. Uh, but the thing is about Tottenham, they're in a five back. So those outside backs are going to operate a little bit differently. And mm-hmm. maybe some other defenders would. They should be able to put more pressure on this Arsenal squad. Again, like I've said a couple times, they're at home, so maybe we see a better defensive performance. But at the same time, they've got Brian Hill uh, operating on the right side. So <laughs> you'd think that maybe his impotence could result in Matt Doherty being uh, called forward a little bit more and you know that yep. back five covering for him. So. So we did see Kulisevsky in training today. Um, so he might be back for this matchup. It would be very difficult for him to start both games against Arsenal and City. So I could see Brian Hill starting against Arsenal, but being pulled off at the at halftime or, I don't know, 60-minute mark, depending on how the matchup's going. So I would avoid Hill. I would avoid the center backs for Tottenham, especially because of the double game week. You don't want double negative scores. That would be terrible. Um, But, I mean, you still start Kane, Son, Hoybier. Perisic. Perisic, yeah. yeah, I'm comfortable with that one. Mm -hmm. Um, But outside of that, nah. Yeah, I agree. And then and, I think and this is better than the city matchup. So you're yeah. starting guys for this game. Like if you don't like them here, don't like them down the line. Um, it's not going to get any better. Although Tar- Tottenham's record against City has been so good in the last few years, regardless of how good City have been. I just don't place too much importance into that. But I, I get it. Yeah. At the same time, though, I mean, Tottenham versus Arsenal is another red-hot rivalry. I mean, one of the biggest rivalries in the Premier League. So yeah, if they're not going to show up for this game, what's to make you think that they're going to show up tail between the legs for this game? They really just need to go out and win both games. It's as simple as that, yeah. Uh, Yeah, Or Conte might even get sacked. Who knows? Conte, figure it out. Um, And then Arsenal, I'm – honestly, I'm – kind of looking at Arsenal the same way I view Tottenham in this matchup as far as a fan tracks aspect goes. Like, you start your forwards, maybe. 
I don't know if you play Xhaka or Partey in this one. You play Xhaka. He's been pretty solid, but Partey, no. None of the defenders. Don't even think about it. Not even no. uh, with a gun to your head. So I'd say it's pretty simple. Uh, start the front four. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the double game week fixtures here. So we've got Manchester United hosting Crystal Palace. Uh, we've got no odds for this game as of yet. But we can update those as we get into next week, probably. Uh, United, uh, I mean, you start who you start in their first game. You can't really get around that. <laughs> yeah, that's where that's so. where the double game week advice here gets a little bit hairy. Like we probably yeah. need to analyze the two Man U games at the same time uh, because the picture doesn't really change too much in terms of what their team's going to look like. You know, they got some injuries. They might have a young guy come in here or there. Um, mm-hmm. I imagine like Garnacho will start one, but not the other. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you really hope that your guys start both of these games because you don't want to start a, a guy in Man United who doesn't start the first game with the hopes that he starts against Palace. I just don't think that's a great idea. Um, yeah. I, I'm never really comfortable doing that. So, you know, you probably start like Shaw, um, Erickson, like all your all your studs. Yeah. And other than that, just hope that your guy starts the first game and that he gets a sub appearance or more against Palace. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. It's pretty simple. And I think, yeah, and I think the same goes for Palace as what we said against Chelsea too. I mean, they're going up against yeah two pretty good sides good defensive sides that i mean you may even want to exercise caution with eze olise or zaha not that they can't score against chelsea or united but you're going to be pretty dependent on those because they're only likely to see less than 40 percent possession in those two games yeah but you're pretty confident they'll play both games so for me yeah. it's an auto start in that sense but um I do like your your fella Chuck Decore here still. Um, I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be one of the streamers of the week, um, probably if, if he's available in your your waiver wire. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last double game week fixture here, we just mentioned it. Man City hosting Tottenham. City favored by a goal and a half. I might bet that the under, but uh, and then an over under of three point two five. So. Again, like we mentioned with City uh, earlier in the episode against United, like you start your attackers, you start your midfielders, anybody except Cancelo, or yeah, you're not starting any of the defenders besides Cancelo. And then same thing for Tottenham, you start your attackers, uh, you start Hoiber, maybe Perisic, Doherty, you avoid the defenders, the center backs at least. Um, Anything else to add to this one? No, I uh, concur with it all. I mean, I think you just need to analyze whether your players, namely your forward guys and some of the mids on City, are worth starting if they don't start the first game. Uh, And it's the only team out of the DGWers that I would even uh, consider that for. So say Grealish doesn't start uh, for, you know, as a personal example, I'm still going to start him, I think, um, because he should at least get... 20 minutes in the first game, I think, and then get the start in this one because the games are five days apart. 
that is a good shout. I'm, I'm sure the Pebble. rotational pieces for City do play a factor in this one. Yeah, so so just know who you're going to start or not. Bernard, players like Bernardo Silva might be a little confusing, but I think I'd still probably lean towards starting him unless you have like a really, really locked and loaded guy. Just I think if you were to, to project him for, you know, between the two games for 70-ish minutes... Mm-hmm. Um, that that's something that I would certainly be signing up for. Maybe, maybe he gets less, but even if he gets a half, like that's pretty good. So yeah. So to round things off, I think uh, for the starts of the week this week, we're going to keep things brief. Um, let's just go straight through our defenders, midfielders, and attackers one at a time. Uh, we've already done a rundown of pretty much everybody we've already talked about, so. We'll just get them out there so that we can get to some questions and then uh, bring out something new for you guys. So go. why don't you start us off with your starts of the week. Run us through defender, midfielder, attacker. Yeah. So defender, I've got Luke Thomas, fantastic double first name. Uh, <laughs> midfielders, I've got Iosi Perez, who we didn't quite mention, but I think he could put up a good score against Nottingham, uh, as well as Saeed Ben-Rama, who has been doing pretty well for West Ham in his own right. Stay in the flames there. Uh, up at attack, I've got Samuel Adozi, who has had a shown a pretty good floor so far. Um, very talented young player on loan to Southampton. So I would uh, roll him out there as well and hope that he can maybe get some sort of an attacking return against Everton. And lastly, we've got Vardy or Daka or even Iheanacho um, up against... Nottingham Forest. So I've got three Leicester players. I guess I might be cheating. Uh, I think that they have a decent game, uh, and all those guys should be fairly available on waiver wires. Maybe not Vardy or Daka, but or or Ben Rama. That is, but uh, yeah. Let's hear yours, Nate. All right. So in defense, the only reason I picked him is because I'm still shocked at his ownership. Is Ethan Pinnock. How he is under 50% is beyond me. Pick him up, play him every week. He's a ghost machine. Uh, midfielder, we've talked about him at length. Check to Corey. I think he's got great potential to give you bang average scores for two games to give you a decent tally for the week. Uh, and then another Decore. I went with the Decore squared with Abdullah Decore. If he starts, I am okay running him out there as like my midfield four or five. Um, just because I think he's you know, he's doing an, a little start out there for Everton and kind of just showed the guys what he can do again. Hmm. Uh, and then the attackers, we talked about it. You ride him till the wheels fall off. Evan Ferguson going up against Liverpool, just start him if he starts. Just set it and forget it. Um, and then Peter was actually gracious enough to give us some starts of the week, even though he couldn't join us. He's got Serge Aure as a defender, which – I can understand with Nottingham at home. Um, decent defensive record there. Plus, he had a goal against Chelsea. So, that was pretty sweet. Uh, Damari Gray, uh, another Everton asset here, makes the list as a midfielder. And then the attacker he's got is none other than Wilfred Nanto. So, Leeds going up against Ashton Villa. So, he thinks there's goals in that matchup, and he thinks that Nanto's going to grab one. Yeah. So, do you want to run through the Twitter questions first so that we can make sure these guys get their 
questions answered and then jump into our segment? Or do you want to do our segment first? Let's roll with the Twitter questions first. We'll uh, save right. some uh, some other personal advice for last. Um, but let's get the antsy listeners to their questions. So um, finishing top fact uh, says, why does official FPL have zero regard for the draft version of the game? Players like Shade, Orsic, Badiashel, etc., not on the game for this waiver window would be an absolute scandal. Um, I'll let you define what scandal means because some of these guys <laughs> don't seem like scandals. I mean, Orsic is probably a like, decent shout because he could come in and give some attacking creative life to Southampton. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I don't even know who the hell Shade is or Shade. And then Badia Shele, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, how many center backs does Chelsea need? Like, yeah, he's just kind of a wait and see at this point. I get it. Like, you want these guys to be available on waivers. You want them to be in the game. Um, if you're still playing through official FPL, that's your loss. Like, you got to move that shit to fan tracks, dude. Come on. Yep. Like, uh, it's it's time. That That's the end of it for me. Yeah. Um, I, I think I want to answer this next one from Fandalski. VVD droppable? No. Um, can we just move on? No, that's it. Done. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, he's out for a month. Still no. Maybe they figure their shit out, but he's coming right back in that team when he's back. And Is he joining the Thomas Suchek list? The financial portfolio list? Uh, not for me, no. I'm holding him. So you, you, there is a future available for Van Dyke. Yeah. If we hear he's out for two months, I'm out. Um, but, I mean, if you really need to drop him, everyone's droppable if you really need to. But uh, yeah. I, I feel like there's probably somebody else you could drop. That's fair. Uh, and then Dutch Cowboy asks, is Veghorst a guaranteed starter when he arrives, or does Martial remain locked in? Of um, course, you had to read this one so that I would answer it first. <laughs> um, but I would say no. Uh, Martial seems to be favored. The only thing I will say is Martial is probably one on my glass bones and paper skin list, and I think he might be injured right now. I'm not certain. Um, so if that's the case, then who else they really had to turn to? I know Rashford can play forward, but uh, you know he seems to benefit from someone else. Oh, he plays so much better on, on the left. Yeah, yeah. I, I, he's definitely better out there, and it's helped him. So um, he probably starts. You pick him up. He's on Man U, but don't make him into something he's not. He's definitely going to post better numbers than he did at Burnley. Uh, yeah. I'd say that's he'll have a way more opportunity safe assumption, but I'm thinking like nine points a game, nine, 10 points a game. I would take on that. average. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then Dutch Cowboy also had a Twitter poll that was out between who would you rather roster Felix or Veghorst? I would take Veghorst because you know that when he does play, he's going to score decently well just because he's a giant of a man. So you have the headers there. But I just, I don't know. I just, I'm out on Chelsea right now. Their entire attack. 
Me too. I just have a tough time. Like whenever I look between two players before I think about situation, I try to think about talent. And I just know Felix is so much more talented than Veghorst is. Yeah. Especially at this point, his career is a young player that Chelsea are trying to almost swindle into joining their team. Um, <laughs> whereas Veghorst really is probably more of a, a stopgap kind of guy. So I think that Chelsea have more, um, ironically, more desire to invest in Felix's talent, even though he's alone and Veghorst wouldn't be. Um, to try and convince him to stay uh, since a lot of other teams are going to be looking to grab him in the market. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that's it for the Twitter questions. We appreciate you guys sending those in. Uh, Zach, why don't you introduce us to this last segment? And I kind of like this a lot. This yeah, is a good, so good idea. I know we're already running a little, little – uh, low on time here for some of you guys may already have tuned out fallen asleep or whatnot but for those of you who stuck with us uh i just wanted to bring a segment to you um for this first episode of the year i believe uh called get with the times uh and we're going to be discussing some strategies that we're going to be leaving behind in 2022 as we've deemed them no longer viable in this draft game um, and, and that can really range to a lot of different things. Um, but we're trying to really frame this from a perspective of negative things we will no longer be doing as opposed to positives we will try out in 2023. Um, mm. So with that, uh, I will let you start us off, Nate, uh, since I'm the one hosting the segment. Fair enough. All right. So... I mentioned this with Suchek earlier. Um, I am no longer going to be holding on to mids with limited upside. Um, so players like Suchek, Rice, Jorginho, Kovacic, Thiago, Fabinho, Henderson, Xhaka recently. Xhaka at the beginning of the year was awesome. Xhaka recently, not so great scoring-wise. Partey, Paulinha, the list goes on. They're good for four to six points. They pop up with an attacking return every seven to eight games. Um, I'd rather go find a midfielder that is, eh, I mean, if he's available on waivers, obviously you need to have a player that's available before you go get him. But uh, someone like Moises Caicedo, who averages right around eight, nine points-ish and can pop up with an attacking return, uh, the aforementioned Czech Decore, uh, Somerville, when he plays, he's active. These are more your boomer bust type guys mixed in with the higher floor guys. So the mids that I listed earlier, like I said, they're good for four to six points, which is like just a really, really low floor. You can get that almost anywhere throughout this the waivers. And then Christian Norgard, I know we talked about him earlier, uh, only 52% rostered in leagues. He's a guy that has really, really good upside as a mid. Uh, so, I mean, living up to your Twitter handle, I just want to be drafting for upside and getting upside on my roster at all times. So that's one of my New Year's resolutions in the Fantrax game is to stop holding mids with limited upside. I love that one. That one really sticks close to the heart for me. Um, I don't know if you're just trying to appeal to me from an emotional level, but uh, you certainly have my vote on that one. 
um yeah i'll take i'll take one here so my first one uh one thing i'm going to leave behind in 2022 is square dancing with volatility um and i will explain that a bit more for you guys so i i am asserting that aside from major situational circumstances uh we as draft managers should err on the side of us actually having made the correct decision on draft day uh, or via some previous trade. Um, don't just start making lateral trades for the sake of trading. Trade mm-hmm. because you see an opportunity where there's actually a discrepancy in valuation between you and the other manager um, on the table. Uh, otherwise, don't make it because... Uh, you know, you need to trust yourself, trust the decisions that you've made. Uh, eventually, you just start playing roulette uh, if you do too much of that. And I have seen plenty of managers do that. Uh, you know, this one maybe isn't completely at me or at anyone in specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have made a couple of trades so far that I look back on. And even at that point in high, like, not, not even using hindsight. At that point, it was a very lateral trade where I had no idea if I was winning or losing. You should kind of know if you're winning or losing that trade. Mm-hmm. Um, so especially in the first 10 weeks, I'd say where a lot of that volatility exists, uh, maybe err on the side of caution. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, it's just funny how many trades I see just for trade's sake. i I'd have to do a little bit more research into it and dig a little deeper into it. But in my league, I've there's two teams that have probably traded their entire rosters back and forth the entire season. Yeah. And I, I don't get it. <laughs> That's just people getting too bored. Yeah. Got to do something uh, else. <laughs> well, uh, I'll read Peter's here. His says, stop listening to my heart. My infatuation with certain players will live on for eternity if my brains don't have the ability to override the danger that my heart puts in my squad in. Uh, stubbornly thinking that players like Adamo will return to favor and his form fantasy output will have you missing out on grabbing players who have gained their manager's favor over the World Cup break or incomings in January transfer window. Holding on to players like Skamaka, Stupinian, or Jaden Sancho will only clog up your bench and leave you fielding 10 players when you lose Pep Roulette at 2 p.m. on a Monday. <laughs> when you're wait- Weighing up a drop or a transfer, listen to your head in 2023 because your heart will only hurt you. I like that. Yeah, that one uh, felt pretty close to home for him. Yeah. Although, Estupinian, are you still holding on to him? If I had him, I would be, yeah. I think so, too. I would definitely get rid of I already did get rid of Skamaka, and then he scored, which was fucking stupid. I did that, too, but it's okay. (laughs) I haven't regretted it since. Me either. And then Jaden Sancho, yeah, dude, get him out of here. Oh, I have him. Um, I, I can't. I can't do it. So my other one kind of goes into Peter's a little bit. Uh, don't be afraid to only use two or three bench slots per week. You don't have to hoard everyone. Keeping roster flexibility means you can chop and change as your matchup dictates going through the fixtures. Uh it helps you avoid stuff like pep roulette. Um, having a mixture of safe floor plays and high upside plays means you can rotate players freely depending on how your matchup is going. So let's say in the first matchup or two, you have two or three players that put up 40 to 60 points, like each guy scored 20 points. 
you can afford to take out your riskier options and plug in some safer floor plays knowing that you're like especially if you play somebody that is a streamer for that week and they score you 15 to 20 points you know then you have like your first round draft pick still to play that is probably going to net you between 10 to 20 points like just kind of play it a little bit smart and use those bench slots and free up some space for flexibility especially when we have double game weeks when we have uh, all the fixtures piling up like teams are going to rotate so make sure you're able to rotate with them yeah i agree with that and flexibility is always something um that managers need to value properly because it doesn't matter if you have some of the highest scoring point per game players if they don't start they're useless for that week so Mm -hmm. um almost in that same light uh another one of my topics or my second topic would be uh, I'm leaving bench warming behind in 2022. Um, and that includes roster cloggers uh, of all makes and sizes. Uh, they could be a player that's injured, a player that you know is going to come good, but just simply hasn't. Quote unquote, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, if a player isn't playing, and you know for a fact that that's going to continue, then they simply don't hold any more value than if Nate or I here hacked our way into the fan tracks player databases. Um, They unfortunately are a drop. And obviously there's shades of gray there. It's not as concrete as knowing for a fact that they will um, not play for the rest of the year. But, uh, you can kind of read between, you know, the lines, read the tea leaves, as some say, and figure that one out for yourself, especially given your team context. If you've got, say, six midfielders and you're holding, uh, you know, someone who hasn't played in months, what are you doing? You know, like mm-hmm. that, that spot is much better had strengthening at any other position or holding a higher upside mid. Yeah. Um, so just think of every player on your roster as a lottery ticket and every lottery ticket's going to have a unique percent of hitting. So you really need to evaluate every single week, the percent of hitting that your bench spots have. And, you know, as soon as that starts approaching zero, they need to get out of their ASAP because, uh, you know, th- those could be other guys. It's not just those guys that aren't hitting. It's other guys who aren't hitting for you. Uh, the same goes for handcuffs, who I believe possess little standalone value. Um, I often assert that handcuffs are handcuffs for a reason. Uh, they would be starters if they were good enough, so let them clog someone else's roster for the rest of the season. Yeah, uh, It might actually help you in a game week when they won't help you any other game week. Mm-hmm. Completely agree with you. So with that, um, I think we're all set for today. I know it's been a longer episode, so I want to thank you guys uh, for sticking with us. Um, And I'll let you close this one out, Nate. Yeah, appreciate being back after missing the last episode, but this was fun. Um, Appreciate going through the game weeks with you guys. We appreciate all the listens, all the likes, all the follows, uh, all the discussion on Twitter. Keep sending in questions. We're always happy to help you guys uh, any way we can. 
we might throw you a stinker like Konate, but um, hopefully we do more good than harm. Uh, again, thank you guys for listening. Thanks for sticking with us through this uh, longer episode, but we had a lot to cover. So uh, we just want to get out uh, the best information we can. So again, thank you so much. And until next time.